Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. If you'd be finding 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be working in that text of Scripture all morning long. And I really do want to urge you to, to get a Bible out and be following along. This is just a critically important passage in the Scripture. And like I said, we're just going to work within this text for the time that we have together this morning. And as you're finding 1 Corinthians 12, let me join in the welcome that was extended earlier. It is great to see everybody this morning. I am just so glad that you chose to be here today. And it is indeed a privilege to assemble on the Lord's Day morning to offer unto God the sacrifice of praise and the fruit of our lips. And I'll tell you, I am especially glad to to be here this morning. I'm done with all of my running around for the year, being in meetings and all that kind of stuff. Had a good week with the the church at Eubank last week. Appreciate those who who asked about or or prayed about or those of you who even came to the meeting last week and supported those efforts. It was a really good week with those brothers and sisters there, but it's really good to be back with my brothers and sisters at Lakeside this morning and to think about the work that is before us here. If you are visiting with us this morning, we are really just so happy that you've come to be with us and to to worship with us and to be a part of us for for this day. And we hope that you are finding, as Luke said at the outset of our our, our time together this morning, that you're finding everything to be done in teaching, in in keeping with the teaching of the New Testament. And uh, that's just what we're striving to do here. And I do hope that as we progress through the lesson this morning, you'll gain some things, you'll be benefited by some of the things that we will talk about. But I should have you know... This morning's sermon is really directed toward the members of this local church. If you identify as a member of the Lakeside Church of Christ, then I need you, I need me, to listen very, very carefully to what God is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Read with me in verse 27. In 1 Corinthians 12 and in verse 27, Paul writes, Now you... You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I want you to imagine that you and your family, you've just recently moved to a new city. And I want you to imagine a place that would be a a city bigger than the city of Somerset. And imagine that you are looking in that city for a congregation of the Lord's people with which to, to labor and to worship on a regular basis. And so in this area, this city, this maybe a metropolitan kind of area, you come to find out that there are about eight churches of Christ. And so what do you do? Well, you you visit around. You visit in their assemblies and you you kind of get to know the brothers and sisters that make up those congregations and learn some things about the work and what's going on there so that you can eventually make a decision. And you can settle down and you can identify as a member and you can get to work in that congregation. And so as you visit around in all those congregations, eventually, this is what you learn about each of those groups. Congregation A, you come to find out, has a sizable contingent of their members who are extremely legalistic and they all but deny the grace of Jesus Christ. As you can imagine, they have some serious controversy that's being generated in that church. Congregation B is troubled by brethren who have not yet figured out how to differentiate between matters of faith and matters of opinion. And that, of course, as well, is creating great problems and discord in that local body. Congregation C is so worldly that they have members who are knowingly and openly sexually immoral. In fact, they have other members who do not hesitate to show up at the assemblies drunk, if you can believe that. 
Congregation D is plagued with doctrinal error and they have been led into apostasy by the false teaching that was happening in Congregation A. Congregation E is a church that just has absolutely no zeal for the Lord. In fact, they are so lifeless and so apathetic, they don't even realize that they are lifeless and apathetic. Congregation F could be a wonderful and fine group and have a lot going for it, if it weren't for two very prominent and very vocal members in that church who are always butting heads, always fussing and fighting with each other, and their personality clashes, it's just creating problems for the whole. Congregation G? Congregation G contains a number of brethren who would rather just mooch off of the goodwill of their brothers and sisters than actually get up and work like the rest of us with just a bunch of lazy bums. And then Congregation H? Congregation H has Bible classes that are marred by obnoxious men who insist on teaching, or even if they're not teaching, they maybe do some teaching from the pew, even though they know about as much of the Bible as my two-year-old daughter does. Now, I have withheld the names of those congregations in order to protect the guilty, but I want you to know those are not hypothetical churches and those are not hypothetical problems. Every single one of those are actual, local churches of Christ. And we think about that. We think about that and that just, that just makes us shudder, doesn't it? That makes us recoil in horror in many ways. The thought of actually identifying with, being a part of a congregation like any of these, I mean, that's, that's a horrible thought to have to think about. It's like being led to a dumpster behind a golden corral and being invited to sort through what we find in there and eat what we like best. We kind of think, I'd just rather not have any of those things. If that's all the options that we got, I'd just rather not eat. And that's how we would feel if we maybe moved to this area. And there's all of these kinds of congregations. I'd just rather not be associated with any of them. I do not think that any of us would deny That churches in this country are definitely rife with serious spiritual problems. You know, whenever we open up the pages of the New Testament and we consider what the Lord calls for churches to be, and then we compare that to how churches actually are, we're just mortified by the difference. This is what God says. and This is what people are doing. What in the world is wrong? What has happened to us, churches of Christ in general? How have we gotten so far away from the New Testament pattern for the church? Why is it that we are not more like churches in the first century? Um, yeah, about that. Congregation A, that's the church at Jerusalem. Congregation B, that's the church at Rome. Congregation C, that's the Corinthian church. Congregation D is one of the churches of Galatia. Congregation E is the church at Laodicea. Congregation F is the church at Philippi. Congregation G is the Thessalonian church. And Congregation H, that's the church at Ephesus. You want to talk about the New Testament pattern for the church? We talk about how there's a pattern for worship. There's a pattern for how God wants us to be organized. A pattern for how God wants us to work. Let me tell you about another New Testament pattern. It's the pattern of churches with problems. We see that pattern consistently in the New Testament. Every local congregation that is addressed in the New Testament epistles, they had something that they needed to be working on. 
Every one of those congregations, they were composed of saved people, but imperfect people. Which means that each and every one of those congregations were less than perfect. In fact, some of those churches were in danger of just falling away entirely. In short, what I'm saying is that churches in the first century looked an awful lot like churches in the 21st century. And I am saying to you this morning that Lakeside is no different. Now, you and I, you know, those of you that know me well, you know I am the biggest cheerleader for this congregation. And while we may not have all of the exact same problems that all of these churches had in first century times, I want to be very clear, we have our fair share. We have members who are apathetic and uninvolved. We have folks who are boisterous with their opinions and don't always know how to keep that in check. We have folks here who are sitting on their talents and not using their talents for the Lord's service. We have folks here who ought to be teachers, and they are not. We have some folks here who do have some of those legalistic tendencies. And you know what? we got some folks here as well who have some very liberal tendencies. We have folks here who are very slow to work and to contribute, but they are quick and they are the first to criticize and to point out when things aren't going their way. And yes, as well, we have folks who are pushy and self-righteous and are quick-tempered, and I assure you that I was looking in the mirror when I cited all three of those things. We've got folks here who aren't friendly. We've got folks here who need to be more plugged into the work. We've got folks here who need some growing to do. I could do this all morning long, but I assure you that is not my intention. That's not what I want to do. This morning, what I want you to understand, and what I need to understand, is that even with those problems, even with those deficiencies, even with those blemishes and those imperfections, we are the body of Christ. Look at verse 27 again. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Who's Paul talking to here? Paul writes those words to a church that was fraught with problems. Immorality, division, uh, disorderly worship, lawsuits between brothers against one another. That Corinthian church was an absolute mess. It was a dumpster fire. And still, Paul says to them, you are the body of Christ. And this morning, my task is really quite simple. I simply want to echo that message of 1 Corinthians 12 to us for our benefit. To encourage us, to stimulate us, to motivate us, maybe just to remind us of what an awesome body God has placed us in and created in this local church. For us to see how important it is that we function like a body despite our problems. And I'll go ahead and tell you, got some good news for many of you. This is not going to be a long sermon. In fact, we're probably already halfway through now. This morning, I do not intend to belabor lots of points and spend lots of time giving you lots of my ideas about things. Instead, I just want to allow the text in 1 Corinthians 12 to speak for itself. In fact, I even entertain the idea of just getting up here and just reading and then sitting down. But you know what? If Paul could write these words to a church that was as messed up in Corinth as it was, and help them to get it all turned around, then what can these words do for us in this local body so that we can improve, 
so that we can thrive, so that we can grow, and so that we can shine all to the glory of our Heavenly Father. Let's read in this text about what it is that makes us special and what it is that makes the body so special. This section actually begins all the way back up in verse 12. Would you bump back up to verse 12? Paul begins there, verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Let's just stop right there. Paul begins by pointing out that we are united in this common Savior. We are united in this common salvation. Verse 13, we are all baptized into one body. We share fellowship in the blood of Jesus Christ in spite, in spite of the fact that we are very, very Different. And I really think that's what Paul wants us to see. We are very different. In fact, Paul shows us how amazing it is that we can be reconciled into this one body by giving us a couple of illustrations that are on far ends of the spectrum from one another. First of all, he mentions Jews and Gentiles. The background of a Jew and a Gentile could not be more different. From the most sanctified child of Abraham all the way to the most godless and corrupt pagan, they are now one in Jesus. There is place for both of them in the one body of Christ. And then what about that second illustration he uses in verse 13? Slave and free. Just those words themselves. They are diametrically opposed to one of complete polar opposites. From the richest free man in the highest, most noble position, all the way down to the very lowest slave in the most hopeless situation. There is a place for them together in the body of Christ. Jesus makes them one. Now let me say, if people with those kinds of differences, if they can be a part of the one body, what does that say about us? You know, in many ways, their differences, they put our differences to shame. And I realize we do have all kinds of differences here. We have people who have political differences, educational differences, socioeconomic differences, financial differences, uh, philosophical differences, even personal differences on a whole litany of things. But if God says that Jews and Greeks can be united, if slaves and free can be united, you and I, we better be united. What excuse do we have? We better be one. We are the body of Christ. And that body, it does consist, verse 14, of many members, of different members. And that means then, that means that we're all going to contribute in different ways to the upbuilding and to the health of the body. Continue reading verse 15. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ears should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so since each of us have different abilities, and since each member serves in different capacities, that means that in this body, each and every one of us is valuable, and each and every one of us is useful. Listen to me very, very clearly. There are no vestigial organs in the body of Christ. You understand what I mean by that? Many people today, when they talk about their physical bodies, there are many people who would argue that you have all kinds of vestigial organs, organs that you just you just don't really need. Your appendix. Ah, who needs an appendix? Just take that out and get rid of it. Your tonsils. Kids get their tonsils taken out all the time. You don't need your tonsils, just get rid of them. You don't need all of that. And while there may be some argument to be made about all of that, and I understand that, people can still live very healthy lives even without those arguments, that's not the way it works in the body of Christ. What you do, what you bring to the table, what you can contribute to this local church, it is important. You have an important role to play in this body. And it is true, yes, even though feet and hands and eyes and ears, they all do very different things. They're all still part of the body, right? And think about within a local church. Think about all the things that we have. Preachers. Preacher, preacher does differently than what the Bible class teacher does. The preacher does differently than what the song leader does. The preacher does differently than what an elder would do. The preacher does differently than what an encourager would do or just a servant would do. We all do different things, yet, yet we're all still part of the body. In fact, verse 18 actually tells us that those differences, they are by design. That God... God has a hand in all of this. God brings us together and He places us in positions within the body that will best maximize our talents and our abilities and that will end up strengthening the whole, strengthening the body. We are, because of God and what He's done, we're, we're intertwined and we're interconnected. Which means then that each part needs to be working so that the body can perform at an optimal level. I need you to do your part so that I can function properly. You need me to do my part so that you can function properly. We are the body of Christ, Paul says. And in this body, every member counts. From what we might consider the greatest, all the way down to what we might consider the leastest. We all matter. Paul says so. Look in verse 21 now. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, Oh, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. This is a body where every member can and should be appreciated. This is a body where every member needs to be showing that appreciation to all of the other members. This idea of just dismissing another member or tearing down another member in the body, verse 21 says that is unacceptable. That cannot be. In fact, if I truly understand how a body functions, if I understand how this body functions, then I will come to recognize just how foolish that is to try and tear down another part of the body. Because if I'm tearing down another part of the body, I'm tearing down myself. We are connected, remember? We're in this together. We feed off of each other. Our strength helps and is brought from one another. I need to appreciate what you can do in the body. 
No matter how honorable some may seem your position to be, or no matter how you know, unhonorable, dishonorable your position may be in the eyes of men, verse 24 says that God makes all of us honorable. There are vessels unto honorable use. And so there is to be appreciation for every single member in the body. And that appreciation is demonstrated in a number of different ways. Look in verse 25 now. In verse 24, back up, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Verse 25, That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Paul says here, and he uses the word one several times, he says we are to be one. And the body is to be one, first of all, in verse 25, we are to be one in unity. We have to have that kind of unity so that there would not be the kind of division and friction that existed in that church at Corinth. When the body has unity, think about that prayer that Jesus prayed. When we have unity one with another, that then brings us into alignment with God the Father and with God the Son. And in that prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, that unity sends a powerful message to people out in the world, to people who are not a part of the body. Not only that, but Paul says that the body, it is to be one in care. That we would have an equal concern for one another. That we would have an equal interest in the preservation and the health and the life and the movement of the body. And the idea here, I believe, is that no one, not a single one will be left behind or overlooked. We are all in this together. Which means then, thirdly, that the body is to be one in help, particularly in times of suffering. One writer said the following, I like this idea. He says, if a man steps on a thorn with his foot, think about how that that really hurts the foot. But he says the whole body feels it, and the whole body is concerned. The back bends, the belly and the thighs contract, the head stoops, the eyes gaze upon the affected part, and the hand comes forward and draws out the thorn. Isn't that how things work in the physical body? All of the parts, they come together and operate in in harmony in order to help the part that is suffering. And so it must be in the body of Jesus Christ. In time of pain in time of sorrow, in time of trial and affliction, we come to the aid of one another. Can I make one very pointed application right here? Sometime back, Tiffany and I, we were were visiting um, with another congregation. Different county, different part of the state, doesn't matter uh, the name of this congregation. And a fellow came forward during the invitation song visibly sorrowful, penitent, just broken through and through. So the preacher talked to him for a couple of minutes, and he got up and he announced that this brother had committed adultery, been engaged in a sexual relationship with someone that was not his wife. And the result of that was that his wife and his children had left him. And so he had come that day begging earnestly for God's forgiveness and saying how much he needed the prayers and the encouragement of his brothers and sisters in Christ. The preacher led a a very eloquent prayer, made some closing comments, and then that assembly was dismissed. When that final amen was said, do you know how many people walked up there to talk to that brother? 
None. With the exception of the preacher, not a single one. After observing that and waiting for about three or four minutes to see if somebody was going to go up there, I went up there. And I put my arm around him and I said, Brother, I don't know you all that well, but I love you and I'm here for you. Now let me tell you, when someone's heart has been moved by the concept of the Lord's invitation, I don't care how we may feel about the ugliness of their sin, that is go time. That is the time when the people of God need to be at their finest. That is the time when we need to spring to action and find out what's going on. And whether that is somebody coming forward during an invitation song to confess their sins, or whether that's somebody maybe in like a Bible class context, and they acknowledge a personal struggle that they struggle with on a daily basis, or maybe that's just in a conversation that I have one-on-one with somebody, and they say that they're having a hard time with something. My friends, that is not the time for a lecture or a browbeating, or a personal condemnation of that person, that is the time to demonstrate care and compassion and share in their suffering. We are going to weep with those who weep. We are going to bear one another's burdens, the Bible says. We're going to do that. Why? Because Paul says, if one member suffers, we all suffer together. We are the body of Christ. And that manifests itself finally whenever the body is one Enjoy. That we will rejoice together. Instead of being jealous or envious at the, the blessings that another brother or sister might be enjoying. Instead, I'm going to share in that joy. It could be someone returning to the fold like that brother that day. Maybe it's somebody welcoming a new child into the world. Whatever it may be, we're going to rejoice with them that rejoice. Back in 1974, a guy by the name of Lanny Wolf. He wrote a song entitled, God's Family. We have that song in our songbooks. And the chorus of the song says this, Sometimes, sometimes we laugh together. And sometimes we cry. Sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven. God's family. And that is what this is all about, isn't it? That is why we're here today, isn't it? That is why we seek out other like-minded people. Because we're looking to go to heaven, and we want people to help us get there, and by that same token, we want to help them to get there too. I realize that we are not perfect. We're not. In, In this lifetime, on this earth, this congregation's never going to be perfect. And we certainly do have our share of problems. But I'll say what I said at the beginning of this lesson. We are the body of Christ. And so we will press forward with a determination that we're going to stand together and we're going to suffer together and we're going to rejoice together. Because you know what? A day will come when Jesus Christ, our head, the head of the body, He will appear. And in the words of 1 John 3 and verse 2, we will be like Him. We are not perfect now. But when that day comes, we will be perfected. And all of the problems that may arise in a local church setting, those problems will seem so insignificant as we finally see Him as He is. What a marvelous blessing it is to be the body of Christ and individually members of it. If you're here this morning and you have never been brought into the body through confessing faith, 
Jesus Christ as the Son of God, repenting and turning from sin, and being baptized. Verse 13 of this chapter talk about being baptized into the one body for the forgiveness of your sins. And we're inviting you to do that right now. Jesus is inviting you to do that right now. You need to know that there is a place for you in this body. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and promise to you that everything's just always going to be swell and just perfect all the time, because it won't. But there is no place else on earth. There is no group on earth that I would rather be associated with than the family of God. To be a part of God's family, the body of Christ. Can we help you this morning to be a part of the body of Christ? Brother or sister, if there is sin in your life, if there are things that need to be corrected, you've not been functioning as a member should in this body, you need to get that fixed. You need to get that fixed, first of all, for your own benefit, so that you can be right with the Lord. But we need you to be fixed and to be right and to be functioning properly because because the body depends upon it. We need you. We need you working at, at an optimal level so that we can all function at an optimal level and do the Lord's work in this location. Whoever you are and whatever your need may be, this invitation is for those who want to respond to Jesus and want to submit to Him and His will. If you have that desire, then this is your moment and your time. Take advantage of it right now while we stand and while we sing.